Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Wednesday morning, the 21st of December. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. The government meets today for the last time before the Christmas break. It'll be Leo Bradker's first cabinet meeting since becoming Taoiseach on Saturday. Ministers will be asked to leave their mobile phones at the door. And there will be much to discuss with a new climate action plan topping the agenda, a plan that is expected to impact on the way every person lives their life in this country and a target to reduce car journeys by 20%. Let's speak to Paul Hosford, who's political correspondent for the Irish Examiner. Good morning to you, Paul, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Indeed, the Irish Examiner tells us to watch out for a number of names when the Taoiseach makes this announcement later, what should we expect? Yeah, good morning, Michael. I suppose the, the, the main thing to expect is a very minimal uh, shake-up in terms of who holds what, porf- what portfolios uh, in terms of parties. In Fine Gael, you're looking at, at two names that could be dropped. Uh, that's Colin Brophy, he's the current Minister for Overseas Aid and the Diaspora, and you're also looking at Frank Fee, and he's the Junior Minister in the Department of Health Responsibility for the Drug Strategy. Um, I suppose the, the, the thinking in, in, within Fine Gael is that there's, there's a couple of people who have kind of put their hand up in this in this stall term who could very well uh, be, be worthy of a promotion there, the likes of Jennifer Carr McNeil or, or Neil Richmond. Uh, you also have Brendan Griffin, who, who doesn't have a, a, a junior ministry. He was the, the Fine Gael whip in the, in the last government, I suppose, uh, and when Hildegard Nocton was made chief whip, he was kind of effectively demoted. He'd be looking at uh, whether or not he, he would be due a, a, a promotion today. Mm. Uh, he'd have his eye on sport, uh, I see, in the examiner today. Yeah, look, everyone has their eye on sport. Uh, <laughs> the, the junior ministry of the Department mm. of Sport, where, where Jack Chambers was, he was the, he was the chief whip. Um, it, it's, a, it's a good news ministry. Um, the senior minister, Catherine Martin, kind of has to deal with the the regulatory stuff, the you know whatever comes, whatever controversies come up. Um, but this junior ministry is effectively you travel the country, uh, opening pitches and, and announcing grants, and it's a very good place to be if you if you're ambitious, if you want to um, kind of build a profile because you get to travel the country, you can speak to your local organisations there, and you're associated with handing out money. And one of the things that the Fianna Fáil that I spoke to over the weekend, they were very keen on was 
that when Jack Chambers was announced as having gone into Hildegard Nocton's role, previous role in the Department of Transport, they were very keen that they would hang on to um, that, that support portfolio because if you look at the senior ranks, uh, Heather Humphreys is the Minister for Social Protection, as we know, but she's also the Minister for Community and Rural Development and it probably doesn't get... Uh, get focused on as much mm. but it, that, that, that is seen as kind of a good news department it's uh, uh, you know recently she was out announcing a fund where 280 odd community centres each got about 25 or 30 thousand euros some got some got far more um, you know this is a, this is a kind of ministry where you can spread good news into okay. and Bren- Brendan Griffin might be hoping for that opportunity but he's a member of the wrong party by the sounds of it yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, anyone in Fianna Fáil, you know, they, they would be very loath to give up this this idea. Um, you know, names suggested in that in that kind of either that or that you could split the sport brief and go with a, a minister for the the minister for the Gael Uh Thomas Byrne comes up again and again because he's the minister for European affairs. Uh, the logic, uh, you know, part of the the logic is that the the Minister for European Affairs will probably come from the Taoiseach's party, the way it, uh, the way it was with Thomas Byrne, um, because they're effectively uh, with the Taoiseach a lot in Brussels and that you would kind of want to keep that within the party. Uh, that's why someone like Neil Richmond, who, as we know, has been very uh, vocal, very uh, strong on, on Brexit, or someone like Jennifer Carr McNeil uh, might get the nod there. Um, you would have to find... Um, Somewhere for Thomas Byrne. Thomas Byrne, I, I was in Brussels last week. Everyone that I spoke to very impressed with the, the amount of work that he's done, how hard he's worked. Um, kind of put, he's put Irish on the agenda at every European Council meeting, so at least one item will be raised in Irish. Uh, that's why he's seen as somebody who could go into a standalone uh, Minister for the Gael Talk kind of role or uh, a combined sport and Gael Talk. Mm. Okay, very good. Yeah, and what about uh, Jamie English, uh, uh, another Minister of State local to this radio station? Yeah, again, this is one where you kind of start to, to look at, at what happened in the senior ranks and, and the logic was that a lot of these jobs are paired where uh, you, if you look at the Department of Finance, you had Pascal Dunne, who was the senior, and, and Sean Fleming as the junior, so you had Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil kind of thing uh, in the Department of uh, Enterprise, Trade and Employment where Damien English was, you have that uh, you always had that Fine Gael, Fine Gael, uh pairing with Leo Bragger with Simon Coveney and it makes sense that it's as straight as swap as possible that you would probably keep on. Um, there's no real sense, like I'm, I, I've got no real sense that there's a, a desire from anyone to really shake this up uh, at the junior ranks. If you'd have done it at the senior ranks, if, if there have been mass changes, if there have been even a lot of portfolio swapping, you might see just a refresh. Uh, most Junior ministers that I've spoken to want to stay where they are, um, are happy enough where they're going. Like somebody like Damien English, um, they, he would have seen what, what he, he and Leo Bragger did as, as kind of the start of a lot of work in that um, uh, industrial rights, uh, industrial relations kind of piece of, of what the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment does. Very good. Um, mm-hmm. And he would kind of he would want to see it out, is what I've been told. So I don't, uh, you know, you don't get the sense that there's this massive call for a refresh that it mm. might just be kind of keeping on the same way that the, the senior uh, the, the senior reshuffle went Okay, no new junior ministries uh, and uh, is anybody hoping uh, to get a, the nod uh, and be promoted to uh, junior minister outside of uh, the three names you mentioned there? 
in Fianna Fáil, you've got you've got somebody like James Lawless. Uh, when the last when the the last uh, job came up, it was it was Derek Cleary stepped in for for Robert Troy uh, after Robert Troy resigned. Um, James Lawless would have been the other name in the mix um, at the time, so he he'll be looking uh, whether or not if Sean Fleming keeps uh, stays on. Uh, that's kind of the only name that, that that's been mm. mentioned to me who who could be uh, that could be swapped around with the Greens. It's more or less uh, settled that they're they're doing a ministers. Ocean Smith, Joe Joe Bryan, and, and Malcolm Noonan will stay where they are in uh, okay. uh, in the Department of. Uh, in, in the Department of Social Protection and, and, and Housing. All right. Uh, when the ministers meet uh, this morning, uh, they'll be talking about the uh, uh, Climate Action Plan, uh, of course. Uh, uh, do you think they'll be talking about Phil Hogan? Uh, Phil Hogan uh, was very, very sorry uh, about Golfgate, uh, but he's to be on television tonight, and I'm not sure that he's so sorry anymore, is he? No, it doesn't appear so. I talked about how I suppose that the, he kind of implied it to the leaders at the time, Leo Martin and Dave Bracker, kind of uh, almost ditched him up in a way, um, made him uh, the, the the public face. But I think uh, I suppose um, you know my my colleague Danny, Daniel McConnell in, in our paper today kind of writes about how that that's a bit of a self-serving revisionism about what happened at the time. He, you know, if you if you look at the quotes that are out there from that Sean, Sean O'Rourke interview. Mm. Phil Hogan kind of says that it was it was populist outrage that the government had given into. I'm not entirely sure in his case but that's uh, that's what happened. That's not really how I remember the, the situation. Yeah, well, Daniel McConnell doesn't hold back in his article in the Irish Examiner today and as you say, he goes through, I don't know, a million and one different times uh, that Phil Hogan uh, apologised and uh, quotes uh, the former commissioner uh, on many occasions back when he was sorry uh, he'll be on with Sean O'Rourke on the telly tonight apparently not so sorry uh, t- tell us uh, what you know at this stage about the climate action plan uh, is uh, there a get out of jail card for farmers yeah I mean one of the things that people in the government are always very keen to talk about when they talk about things like the climate action plan is that this isn't about going after one sector and particularly not about going after uh, things like uh, culling birds or, or or anything like that. This is about kind of um, re I suppose reevaluating and refocusing where we need to be to hit that overall carbon reductions by 2030. Um, one of the things in, in today's climate action plan will be uh, an aim to reduce the number of car journeys by 20%. You're, you're trying to get to 30% of all cars. Uh, being electric by 2030, you want to install solar panels on all public buildings, and you're going to do away with with free car parking for uh, for public sector workers where the the public transport allows. So, if you look at some of the government departments in in the centre of Dublin, they would have a lot of car parking spaces. Um, you know, the, the leadership aspects that that has been looked at in that is kind of saying, well, if we're going to be telling people that they need to drive less, and we're you know, around the corner from a Lewis stop and a, a dark station, and we've got bus bus links. Yeah. Does it does it make sense for us to be providing uh, car parking? So, uh, one of the things that, that you talk to to people around, particularly the Green Party, is that they're very very sensitive that this doesn't become a a, a sectoral uh, battle. That you're not basically saying farming has to do everything has mm. to carry the load. That you look at everything that we do and you say, right, well, can we can we look at that? One, I, I think 20% cutting 
twenty percent of car journeys is it's doable if uh, people have the option. Um, one thing that you, I suppose, you talk to anyone and they say, yeah, I would like to drive less, but you know, I, I mean, I live in a in a Dublin suburb and my parents live in the next suburb over. And how do I get there? Yeah, but there's uh, no there's, there's no. And that may, tr- that may be turned around by people saying, well, I'd like to drive more, but I can't afford the fuel or the cost of parking. And, and this is it. Uh, you kind of, I suppose, the thing is, if people will vote with their with their wallets in a lot of these cases. Um, if it's if it's cheap enough to put solar panels on their homes and it, it takes a little off the, the energy bill, they will do it. But if it's, uh, I think if it's purely uh, because you want to feel better about the environment, people just, just won't. They won't uh, react to that. Um, so there does have to be that incentive um, for people to go and do these things. Okay. Paul, we'll leave it there for the moment and many thanks for joining us on the show. That's Paul. No thank you. Paul Hosford, uh, political correspondent with uh, the Irish Examiner. 086-1800-658 The Michael Reed Show brought to you by Airgrid managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Follow uh, the reports uh, tell us uh, to uh, expect transport uh, to be the big focus when uh, the Climate Action Plan is announced uh, later today. Earlier this week, the Irish Times reported uh, that uh, this plan would aim to reduce the national cattle herd by 10%. Ministers have uh, been playing that down ever since uh, and it does seem as though there will be a move to incentivise farmers to diversify. Let's uh, speak to the President of the Irish Farmers Association, Tim Cullinan, and a very good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, It it appears as though it'll be a carrot rather than a stick you'll be approached with. Yeah, good morning, Michael. Yeah, and you're right. There was a report floating around earlier in the week that um, there was going to be a cause of 10% of the national herd. My clear understanding that will not be the case today. And uh, obviously we won't know until we hear what comes out of this plan. But, you know, where we are here, you know, we had the the law that was enacted back in 2021. And then we had, uh, again, in July of 2022, each sector got their ceilings or their targets and you know we got our 25% and if you look at that um, currently or sorry following on from that then the minister set up the two groups the dairy vision food group and, and the beef and sheep um, vision food group as well and I suppose it, it was an unusual way of, of doing business because what happened there was that uh, the minister and the department came forward with a number of proposals and, and the groups were to work through those proposals. But look, where we are now is working through those proposals and the measures that farmers are currently doing and have adopted, you know, like the low emission slurry spreading, protected urea, using less uh, fertiliser and multi-species grasses and reducing the slaughter age can achieve uh, up to four megatons and to achieve our 25% we need to achieve 5.7 tonnes in total so we're getting so quite uh, we're on the journey, we have a plan we're getting there and to get the final 1.7 tonnes obviously there's a lot happening in science the science mm-hmm. is evolving as, as as we move along and feed additives that um can be fed to bovines, you not know, to reduce the emissions in particular. 
this can this can be easily done you know, where bovines are indoors all year round. So we have to adopt a system you know, to suit our grass-based system. And so if we can get that system up and running and more changes are evolvent in the in the science, well, then we can achieve our 5.7 or 25% before 2030. Okay. We haven't seen the plan, uh, but uh, do you expect when you do see it uh, to feel that farmers won the argument? Well, look, it's not about winning the argument here. Like, this is a huge challenge for farmers, and obviously there's going to be huge costs around this as well. And a lot of the measures I'm speaking about is going to mean you know, farmers adopting the practices they're doing. So obviously there will be funding needed around this as well. But you're right. I think what's very important here is you know, we have an excellent industry here in this country. Uh, exports this year, I believe, will exceed the 13.5 billion, 170 people employed you know, from from the north of the country right down to West Cork and that's very important as well because I suppose if we look at the three pillars in this you have the economic, social and environmental and we are working through the three pillars here to be able to continue producing the food we produce here in Ireland and look we have to engage in this process of climate because we are an exporting nation we export to 180 countries and our climatic credentials now along with our food safety credentials are going to be critically important to ensure Michael that we can continue producing and exporting to countries right around the world into the future Some will say that uh, you haven't engaged enough with plans to reduce emissions as the biggest offender of all with 36% of all emissions being down to agriculture Uh, Is it possible that motorists are are going to be asked to pay the price for this get out of jail card for agriculture? Oh no, and I don't, I don't see this as a get out of, of jail card. You know, as I say, we are playing our, our role in this, and we're one of a, a number of a few countries that actually have a plan. And you no, know, if we look at it, um, transport has to reduce emissions by fifty percent, and and energy seventy percent, and. Like, it's the government needs to come up with the plan here. And, you know, I guess I'm amazed, actually, you know, when you look at the plan around transport, it's really about getting more and more electric cars on the road. But the concern we have is, you know, the electricity that has been generated currently, how that is generated, it is still being generated from fossil fuels, either oil or coal. And until, you know, there is a change in that area, it's difficult to see how the other sectors are going to achieve their targets. And you know, the plan that the government has for energy is about putting more and more um, um, petrol and solar, or not so well, solar and wind turbines, in mm. particular offshore. And offshore is a huge challenge. It's going to take a light number of years before, number one, before planning is achieved and then actually putting the infrastructure in place. So I believe that we are the sector that is moving forward. We have a plan now Mm. and the other sectors are actually behind us and it's going to be a huge challenge for the other sectors to achieve their targets as well. It seems that there'll be a major push on rooftop solar and new green electricity tariff. Are they the kind of measures that you're hoping for? Yeah, absolutely. And in our own association, we are working with Borgosh to to come up with a a plan where um, farmers will be able to adopt, in particular, the rooftop solar. And I suppose the change in the budget is there there is increased funding 
for rooftop solar. And I suppose the disappointing part of it is the fact that that funding is coming from TAMS, a farmer putting rooftop solar on their farm buildings can't export back into the grid. But that's something we want to see addressed. Now, a farmer can generate uh, the electricity to run their own private home as well. So that, that is an improvement. So, look, it's, it, it's moving. It's, it's slow. Like, there's a few areas there. And the other area, obviously, is with either solar or anaerobic digestion. Any of the gains in emission reduction is not coming to agriculture. It's going to uh, energy production. So, you know, they are concerns we have. So if the 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 gains have to go on the energy side. Well, then there needs to be some allowance to the agricultural sector there as well, Michael. You know, if farmers are doing the work. Mm. But I just want to stress again, what's important here is, you know, the industry we have, the employment we have in rural Ireland, you know, it's not in the towns and cities. And it's critically important that that sector is protected into the future. What about that target of 10% reducing the national herd by 10% uh, that was reported in the Irish Times? Will you be looking through this plan today uh, to see if it is actually a target, albeit one that is not a stated target, because we're told that farmers are going to be incentivized to diversify. Uh, could it be just that it's too expensive or not profitable to have cattle? No, no I suppose what, the, what the, the plan is saying is this is in particular in the, in the Food Vision um, Beef and Sheep Group that there's one option there to, you're right, to diversify or diversification or extensification, and both of them means a reduction. But, like, there is no funding uh, on the table yet uh, for any of those plans. But I think, look, our position is clear here. But if there's funding on the table for forestry, will farmers go in that direction? Look, that that would be a choice that farmers will take. But I think what's, what's important here is it's about reducing the emissions and what I've said at the start of the interview is we're on that journey. We can, we can uh, with the measures that farmers are doing at the moment, mm. we can already achieve 18% of the 25%. Mm. So, and we're only, I mean, we only got our target last July. Okay. So for, for any sector that has developed a plan to go along with on the journey on this, and remember, this is a target uh, that has to be achieved by 2030, and you know, we're only at the end of 2022. Okay, here so today. does that mean that it wouldn't matter if uh, the national herd was reduced by 10% if it didn't impact on livelihoods? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, but I mean, why would we go uh, reducing a sector that can reduce its emissions you know, from within the, the, the number of animals we have at the moment? I think this is, what's, this is the real debate here. Can we achieve a reduction with the existing herd? And I believe by adopting the current measures and more measures so as the science evolves, uh, evolves, I believe we can achieve our 25% reduction in emissions by 2030. And I think that's why, look, our job is to protect the sector. And so we want to keep people mm. farming. We want to keep jobs in rural Ireland, so 170,000 jobs. And the other point here is, you know, that we didn't mention, Mar- um, Michael, is you know, the carbon leakage. The world population is growing. We've passed the 8 billion person on the planet only recently. And a recent FAO refo- report clearly demonstrates you know, that food production across the world is declining. So 
if we don't produce the food here, well, obviously it's going to be produced in a country maybe less carbon efficient than we are. And you know, we have the plan now. Mm. I think it's a positive day for Irish farming that we are working through this plan. And we all know we have to have our green credentials to produce and to export our food. Okay. So I believe we can do this maintaining the number of animals we have all in right. the system at the moment. Well, we're all to be incentivised, it seems, uh, incentivised out of our cars or driven out of our cars uh, in the hope that we end up using uh, public transport. Driving is going to become very expensive for everyone and everyone <laughs> drives, uh, I suppose. Are you concerned uh, about uh, increases to fuel prices? Um, and and you're right, driving, I mean, all of us in particular that live in rural Ireland, it's a huge cost. And it's a huge cost that people in general are boring over the last year, obviously since the Russian invasion on Ukraine. And, you know, we've, we've seen what has happened there. And, you know, it's, it's disappointing to see that there's, it looks as if that war is not going to end anytime soon. So, obviously, you're right, the cost of living, we've seen where inflation is going. It's running at, what, 12%, I think, at the moment. So, that's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge for us all, Michael, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll find out uh, the finer details later in the day. But thank you indeed uh, for joining us in advance and taking the time to be with us on the programme today. That's uh, the president of the Irish Farmers Association, Tim Cullinan. Call Michael now, 041-983-2000. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. You may have heard Paul Husford of the Irish Examiner mention his colleague Daniel McConnell and his article in the paper today about Phil Hogan's interview, which will be on the telly tonight with Sean O'Rourke. He, he says uh, Phil Hogan's position now on Golfgate is revisionism uh, and it's revisionism, revisionism that is staggering. Uh, and in uh, his article today, he says, just who does Phil Hogan think he is? Uh, as part of the article, Daniel goes uh, through some of the things that the former EU commissioner said back in 2020. He said, I'm extremely sorry. I wish to apologise fully and unreservedly for attending the Roxas Golf Society dinner on Wednesday last night. I want in particular to apologise to the wonderful healthcare workers who continue to put their lives uh, on the line to combat COVID-19 and all of the people who've lost loved ones during this pandemic. I acknowledge my actions have touched a a nerve for the people of Ireland, something for which I am profoundly sorry. I realise fully the unnecessary stress, risk and offence caused to the people of Ireland by my attendance at such an event at such a difficult time for all and I am extremely sorry for this. I acknowledge that the issue is far bigger than compliance with rules and regulations and adherence to legalities and procedures. All of us must display solidarity as we try to stamp out this common plague. Uh, Of course, he was sacked or... um, he uh, <laughs> walked before he was pushed, if you like. Uh, now he's saying uh, that the two party leaders, uh, his own party leader, if you like, Leo Bradker uh, of Fine Gael and Michal Martin, the leader of Fianna Fáil, fell victim to a populist wave of indignation, which has proven to be completely wrong. 
Daniel uh, McConnell in his article also reminds us of some some other quotes. One that says, I thus offer this fulsome and profound apology at this difficult time for all people as the world as a whole combats COVID-19. Another quote is, the bottom line is, I made a mistake. I should not have been there. In hindsight, I was wrong. I made a mistake and I should have not gone. He's also quoted by Daniel McConnell in the Irish Examiner today as saying, when I think of all of the people who cancelled weddings or who lost loved ones, a gathering of a number like that in any particular venue at the moment is wrong and I made a mistake. You're welcome to let us know your views on that, given uh, that he's now saying it was only populist tripe and uh, he was treated unfairly. Uh, our telephone number 0419832000, text or WhatsApp 0861800658, email michael at lmfm.ie. I want to mention a, a text that came yesterday from Margaret, which we didn't get to, about uh, the hospital in Navin. She says, do we live in a democracy? Do we have a democratically elected government to run the country? If so, then why is information being withheld? by the HSE with regard to our ladies' hospital in Navan and the ED. And moreover, why is our government allowing them to do this? Just in case our government has forgotten what a democratic government is supposed to be like. It's a government elected by the people for the people. Our government is letting down the people who elected them by not releasing uh, the report in full. The people of me, they're entitled to know what's in it. It's our lives and health that they're talking about, says Margaret. Well, thank you indeed for making comment uh, and getting in touch with us. An email came to us yesterday from Paddy, who said, I'd like to point out the total contradiction about overcrowding and safety at our hospitals. If a venue or a nightclub or a bar let in more people than the safety limit allows they'd be shut down immediately and find substantial penalties. Yet our hospitals get away with this every day. Thank you indeed. A text then from uh, Martin who says, if agriculture is uh, the sector that omits most emissions, cuts should obviously be imposed. Why do I have to be penalised for using my car for the sake of not getting farmers to do the right thing and cut the cattle herd by the sounds of things, even if I have an electric vehicle, driving will become more expensive because of the cost of parking. Farmers want it everyway. Uh, another text then from John, who's in Navan, says, climate change, my eye. We've always farmed the land. It's the most natural thing we can do. So we've Some summers that are hotter than others and we might have a mild winter or a very cold winter, whatever. That's just the way the weather has always been. Thank you indeed. Uh, It's an interesting comment. Uh, You could say climate denial. I don't know. Um, But it's very much in line what independent TD Matty McGrath had to say about climate change in the Dáil last week. We have to tackle what's going on with big business and the grips that they have and the conglomerate in the oil business and poor people looking for SEI grants, Minister. Waiting two and a half years. And they didn't have the money to meet it, and they froze in their houses. I mean, this is not, it's not giant up thinking. It's not, it's a lovely pipe dream. And COP27, I won't even go there. You know, if you went there, that I go in there, but I mean, I wasn't going to go there anyway. I mean, literally, it's just a fascicle. And th- that's what's going on. And to tell you, we had harder frost and harder winters when I was a Bokalog. And that's not today or yesterday, but we had them. So COP, I don't climate change and frightened to be, you know, what out of the people and deal with people honestly and openly. Yes, there might be some slight changes, but nothing like we said. We'd had winters as before. 47, 63, 30 feet of snow in my area in the Nile Valley. 
my neighbour my next, my in you. parish. Thank you. And Thank you we talked about climate change today. It's <laughs> the narrative, the narrative you want to push and push and to help the people. All right, that's uh, Independent TD. Uh, Matty McGrath. Betty says, if Phil Hogan says he didn't do anything wrong, what was he apologising for when he claimed to be sincerely sorry? And why is he being interviewed by Sean O'Rourke? O'Rourke, numbered among the elite who thought uh, there were COVID rules for most people in Ireland and completely different rules for the well-heeled attending golf gate. It's as bad as Hogan. RTE sanctioned O'Rourke. Now he's welcomed back with open arms and he starts with Hogan saying they never did anything wrong to begin with. How is this allowed? It's a question, I suppose, for RTE, but thanks for asking us. 086-1800-658 The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by Airgrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity. When and where they show, brought to you by Airgrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity. When and where they need it. Now, Phyllis Murphy of Duffy's Cross and Dundalk is texting us today. Thanks for your text, Phyllis. She says, regarding climate change and farming, loads of questions. Why can't we farm for our own country? When Ukraine was invaded, we used no wheat to make bread. Why don't we have wheat farms? Why do we farm to transport produce like milk and milk products throughout the world? Why aren't we looking at being self-sufficient? Thank you indeed. Frank, in touch with us about a text that came in earlier asking why motorists have to carry the load if agriculture is to get off scot-free, saying that that last text blaming the farmers for climate change uh, probably uh, came from somebody who doesn't realise that most of our food comes from the farmers. Thank you indeed uh, for that. Paddy Duffy in touch with us as well. Couldn't possibly read Paddy Duffy's text the way he's written it, uh, but he he does say that Phil Hogan is very arrogant and And uh, I think he's very surprised uh, at how Phil Hogan isn't as sorry as he once was. Or at least uh, that appears to be the case from the reports about this programme that will be on the television this evening. Now, we're uh, just a couple of days away from Christmas. It's to be one of uh, the busiest Christmases on record for the Society of Vincent de Paul. And... Vincent de Paul is worried about uh, the new year as well as uh, people are overstretching themselves in some cases and we'll have to make up uh, for that when we get into next year. Let's speak uh, to Nesson Vaughan who is uh, the chair of SVP's Social Justice Committee and a very good morning to you Nesson and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. It's been an exceptionally busy year for you and your colleagues. Yes, yes indeed. Uh, we have record number of requests, or it looks like it, um, as of the end of November, we had the same number of calls for assistance uh, for uh, the whole of last year, which itself was a record. So, yes, unfortunately, it looks like a record. It's not one we're looking to to, to have broken. Is it too late if uh, people are looking uh, to think how they'll get across uh, the next week or so? Yeah, well, we're 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 still open, but I, I suppose uh, most of our volunteers in the process of themselves are getting organised for Christmas. So we're still there. Mm, yeah, um, we're still responding. I'll be out myself today just uh, for a few late late callers. So we've been taking, you know, requests for Christmas since early November and responding as as best we can. Mm. Okay, uh, and one thing that St. Vincent de Paul always makes sure is uh, that uh, Santi doesn't forget anybody. Oh no, not at all. No, no, and we will not forget anyone, no matter where they're from. 
guests in this country for, for maybe a short period or people forced to come here fleeing persecution or, or um, difficulties abroad or people who live here Santa will certainly come to all people no matter all children he will find them no matter where they are Okay and I'm sure St Vincent de Paul will help Santa find those houses if need be uh, are, 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 Tell us about your concerns going into the new year because uh, it's a very expensive uh, time of year the best of times uh, but we've uh, so much with the cost of living and increasing energy prices to contend with now. Yes, indeed. And uh, I suppose people at the moment, families at the moment, particularly with children, are, are uh, tend to focus on you know, making children, making it a good Christmas for their children. So sometimes other bills and utility bills are put aside and not focused on until maybe the new year. And then when they start coming in and they will be uh, in, They'd be very high, as you know, because the cost of living increases. Uh, when uh, some of the temporary measures are gone, and we know there are more there's more supports out there for people. Utility bills are two more tranches to be paid, um, um, by 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 the state, which we welcome very much. However, um, when we take away the temporary measures, the once-off measures, um, people, many people on low incomes and on social welfare will be facing uh, a real cut in their income. Because the social welfare increases in particular weren't enough to keep uh, pace with um, inflation. Okay, were the electricity credits enough to help people afford to pay their bills? Well, I think they go a long way to cushioning the the the, 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 the um, increase increases over the winter. I won't cover them at all by no means, but uh, you know it, it is they are very welcome measures nonetheless. We, we would have to say that. But we still are worried about about uh, the impact it will have because people on low pay and fixed low pay, be they in employment or be they reliant on state support through uh, social protection, uh, spend a disproportionate amount of their income on utility bills and on basics, on food as well. Mm. And when people come to you, uh, has something given uh, before they come to you? You know, I mean, you know, they had to make a tough decision that uh, you had to yeah. eat or he type of thing. Yes, oh, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are people again on on, on low incomes are constantly juggling uh, and saying, "Well, do I, you know, put enough food on the table? Do I pay the uh, electricity bill to keep the lights on and the heater on? Do I pay my rent, or which must I sacrifice?" Mm. And these are the dilemmas that people, families are facing all the time. But we know that uh, parents um, in particular will always put their children first. That That's we know. So we're there to try and support people to get them through this, this, this crisis and get them, um, you know, get, uh, keep them on their feet. Okay, and we're talking about a lot of people. Uh, 380,000 people unable to heat their homes adequately. Yes, yes. There, there, there was a report there done by the Central Statistics Office which showed, you know, over 870,000 people, in fact, are saying that they've had to do without either um, nourishing food, uh, adequate heating, or or some, you know, quality um, clothing. And uh, that's an increase in about 180,000 on the survey uh, done in 2021. Have people been using credit cards um, or going to money lenders? Is that one of uh, your concerns uh, as we go into next yeah. year? Well, the tendency, particularly around Christmas, is to go to moneylenders um, because people are desperate for cash 
um, because many people are no income don't have uh, access to credit. And when you're desperate and you want to make your, the Christmas a nice Christmas for your children, you, know, you you will go to great lengths to do that, and then you know, worry about it in the new year when you're paying an exorbitant um, interest rates. Mm. And in some cases, that will be impossible because. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For those exorbitant interest rates, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, and that applies, I think, as well to credit cards. The interest on in credit cards is phenomenal. Isn't it? Yeah. They're very high. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the interest on in credit cards are, but mm. we, we would urge people not to go to money lenders if at all possible. You know, to, and, and then let's you know, and then let's uh, you know, explore other uh, other 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 options. Mm. Okay, uh, has to be said as well. People are are very good uh, and. Um, have donated uh, as uh, they always have uh, to St. Vincent de Paul because uh, I think it's worth mentioning that all of us have seen uh, a drop in our income. Yes, yes, yes. And people are, but people are still extremely generous to the Society St. Vincent de Paul. And we had our, you know, our, our, our appeals there coming up to Christmas and that masses as well at the second uh, weekend of December where people were very generous. They're still very generous to us, I have to say. We feel very privileged that people would trust us to, um, you know, with 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 their money, with their donations, and trust us that it would go to those families who are in in need. And our only criterion is need. Okay, and St. Vincent Paul is uh, there if uh, people are in need, and you're more than happy to help. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Yes. Yeah, th- thanks very much for the opportunity uh, to speak and thanks to all our supporters and our donors throughout the year. OK, well, thank you to you and to all your volunteers. That's Nesson Vaughan, who is uh, the chair of uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Social Justice Committee. Uh, just uh, some more comments uh, that have uh, been coming to us. Uh, somebody in touch saying, no more phones at the cabinet table. How will ministers ever stay awake if uh, they don't have Candy Crush or something like that to stop them from um, dozing off. Uh, we'd uh, Paul in uh, Navin in touch saying my wife's car is due for the NCT in the middle of January. The earliest date in our local test centre is for May. 
what am I to do? Uh, am I to drive uh, to an NCT centre further away or am I to uh, go without an NCT cert? Can I drive the car or can she drive the car without one? Uh, well, it's a, an interesting question indeed uh, and uh, one uh, that has been of concern throughout the year. I think uh, when you're in that situation, if you apply for the test, print off uh, your booking and uh, have it to display to Gardaí, uh, then they have the discretion at least not uh, to apply the penalty points and fines uh, and so on. But thank you indeed uh, for your message to the programme today. If you would like to make comment on the programme, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 0419832000. That's 0419832000 if you have something to say and you'd like to call us and let us know. You can also text your message to us or WhatsApp it for that matter. 0861800658 is the number for texting or whatsapping 086 1800 658 or email michael at lmfm.ie 086 1800 658 The Michael Reed Show brought to you by Airgrid managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it that uh, Jimmy Crosby once again. You might remember uh, Jimmy, he was on uh, the programme with us a, a few weeks ago telling us uh, that once he had his mortgage with a permanent TSB but that was bought over by Pepper Finance uh, and when that happened his loan-to-value mortgage was switched to a standard variable rate mortgage by Pepper. Jimmy, just remind us, good morning to you, and just remind us briefly, if you would, what that meant in terms of your repayments. Uh, good morning, Michael. Uh, exactly what that meant in, in my repayments was that when I was on a uh, managed variable loan-to-value rate with permanent TSB, I was on a fixed rate of 4.3%. So I, I was led to believe that by permanent TSB that that was the way it was going to be for the rest of the mortgage. As soon as um, Pepper took over the mortgage, uh, they decided, and I, it was in writing, they don't provide any of these products. So I was been moved onto a standard variable mortgage, which meant that the mortgage interest rates could go up. Now, when you're on a loan-to-value mortgage, actually through time, the amount of interest you're paying should come down along with your payments because the value of your house goes up and the, the um, your loan to value rate comes down because uh, that's the way it works with it so it is so okay so you've seen your interest rates increase obviously well my interest rates I, i've actually had three letters and i'm actually expecting another one i actually thought i might have been here before i went on with you today uh, um, they actually got i got three different letters in the last few months telling me that there was three different uh, interest rate hikes. So there was a one, uh, from 4.3% to 5.5%, uh, one to 6.3% and one to 7%. So you're on 7% now? 7% they've moved it up. And they actually, they all came out before they actually even implemented the first uh, interest rate. Right. So I got the three of them together. So Okay. Uh, yeah, it's ab- it's absolutely crazy. But I think I, I think uh, we all know what that means. Um, your uh, mortgage repayments have almost doubled. Uh, stay yeah. with stay with me, Jimmy. Uh, I want to bring in Finnegal TD Fergus O'Dowd, uh, who has been working o- on this with you. Uh, uh, but before we do that. Uh, I want to hear what uh, the Taoiseach, Leo Radker has to say about it. My understanding is that 
uh, when loans transfer, when mortgages transfer, the contractual terms uh, remain the same, that they can't be changed unilaterally, uh, provided the person um, adheres to the contract. Um, the, the, the lender has to honour the contract, but what you're saying to me is that perhaps that's not the case. Uh, and certainly if you have individual cases or examples, I'd be happy to examine them and uh, take it up with the Minister of Finance. Right, that's uh, Leo Radker speaking before he came, uh, Taoiseach. Fergus O'Dowd, I think the Taoiseach was pretty clear uh, in his understanding, uh, as he outlined it there, this should not have happened to Jimmy Crosby. What are your thoughts or what is your understanding of this? My understanding is exactly what you're saying. I mean, Jimmy has sent me on some correspondence, which I know you've seen as well. And that was a permanent arrangement in the context of the type of mortgage he was on. It was a managed loan to value. And because the amount of money that he owes reduces as he pays off the mortgage and also as the price of the house, the value of the house goes up, his interest rate should be coming down. And it's entirely wrong and unacceptable that it's almost doubled. And in fact, it could continue to rise because what is happening is that is that proper mortgages uh, who act for other other people, they don't, they, they're an agent. Uh, that the policy is that as the interest rate goes up in the central bank in Europe, they will keep putting it up, which is absolutely crucifying and uh, unacceptable. I know that the the central bank have written a dear CEO letter which talks about consumer protection, uh, you know, uh, avoiding consumer harm, act in the best interests of consumers. But none of this is happening with Pepper as we speak. Now, there is, I did see a statement yesterday that they are looking at, uh, you know, giving fixed interest rates to people who may be in difficulties. But, um, you know, it's, it's just not clear exactly how that will work. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's a scandal. It's a repetition of other mortgage scandals. It's putting people, what it's really doing, if you think about it, if your mortgage doubles in a very short period of time and, and your income doesn't, which it obviously it won't, it'll put you out of the house eventually. And it'll mean that, that your house will be repossessed or you'll have to sell it. And then uh, the, the, the mortgage lender gets a house, uh, you know, at, at you know, he gets would for you, half nothing, essentially, and the person in the house is gone. Would you uh, agree that Jimmy had a contract with PTSB? Uh, that that he would, that he was on this managed loan to value mortgage and that he would stay on that for life? That, that, that's my understanding. No, I'm not a lawyer. That's the first point. I okay. know, Michael. But, that, but that, that's the position I would certainly but, hold, but, yes. but, but for Pepper um, to unilaterally change that contract... Uh, would seem. Uh, it's just an abuse of the of the of the powers that they have. Have they? Have they? Yeah. I mean, have they got well, that power? I mean, the, 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 we heard Leo Radker there, and you say you have the same understanding as uh, the Taoiseach uh, that they don't have those powers. That the the contract should have uh, moved intact with uh, the loan. Uh, and that they should have honoured the contract that Jimmy has. Uh, now, the, the the question I'm leading up to there is um, there's regulations uh, that govern all of these things. Uh, what's your understanding of the central bank's role in all of this? Well, the central bank is saying, uh, the, the statement, the parliamentary reply says that they 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 uh, point out the, the concerns that they have, but they, they're saying that the, the, the adjudicator on these issues at this stage is the financial services ombudsman and obviously I've been in contact with the ombudsman and they require the individual to make the complaint but I have written to them about the whole position yeah. of, of Pepper well, uh, and obviously clearly 
uh, if we have to wait the outcome of that. But mm. it's 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 unacceptable. I mean, we've we've had the mortgage scandals before with the banks. And, it's very uh, hard to understand that the regulator isn't regulating, though. Well, what what I don't know if you have a copy of the parliamentary question or not. Uh, I don't know if you got it there, Michael. Uh, but basically, the consumer protection outlook says that uh, they should take action to avoid consumer harm. And uh, but the appeal process is actually goes through the financial services ombudsman. Mm. So when we await the outcome of that. Um, and when that comes, obviously, I would be hopeful that it would be what okay. we want. Let me go back to Jimmy. The government will have to act, absolutely. Jimmy, uh, because you did you did approach the central bank, didn't you? That, that's, yeah, if you don't mind me saying, Michael and uh, Fergus, I'd just uh, like you to know this as well, is that I uh, went in and I'd done an official complaint to the central bank. And I thought, by reading what the, the terms of the central bank and how they work, I thought that, okay, I'd like to make a complaint here. So I sent them off an email and I wanted to make a complaint. And the email I got back is kind of what Fergus was saying there, we deal with this. But it said the only thing we do deal with is that if a service provider or financial institution are not adhering to their terms or whatever that they're supposed to adhere to, then the central bank becomes involved. I tried to explain this, and I sent uh, the central bank off some paperwork, and I had more paperwork to send off to them, and I explained this in an email again, and they never uh, they just sent back and they said it has to go through the, or go through through the financial ombudsman. It's not a pro, uh, something for the central bank, and they never even answered back another email after that. They absolutely shunned, and the central bank state that they are there to watch over and to make sure that these financial institutions are going by the rules, they absolutely wouldn't even... They didn't even give me a hearing, Michael, and, that, and that's just been straight up about it. They okay. did not give, even give me a hearing. And what people have to, uh, to realise here, we have a serious homeless uh, crisis in Ireland at the moment. Now, I honestly believe, my heart I believe, because as you know, Michael, uh, over talking to you over this amount of time since this has started, that... This time next year, exactly what Pepper are trying to do is keep people quiet, keep raising the interest rates. They're not going to be able to afford them. And they're going to turn around and say, OK, we will just pay what we were paying. But then that affects the credit rating was bad in 2015 for me. Hmm. I have built on that and tried to get that into a better position, which I have been able to because I've never missed a payment or anything like that. Now I'm going to run into the situation where I'm not going to be able to afford these extra payments. So what are people going to do? Mm. They're going to put me back into where I was all those years ago. And then they're going to say, do you know something? You're not paying us. So the next thing is you'll be, we'll be receiving letters saying that we want repossess, we want full payment yeah. here and now. And if we don't get full payment, we're going to repossess your property. There's a, another issue to all of this, Jimmy, uh, and uh, hopefully it won't get to that. That's uh, unthinkable, uh, given that uh, you had this contract uh, that should have lasted for the full term of the loan. Uh, but you've, fought, you, you've been fighting this hand and fist, I think it's true to say. Uh, but we know that you're not the only one. Uh, we heard uh, from Charlie Weston of uh, the Irish Independent uh, about it last week on the programme, and he's been writing extensively about people like you, and you certainly aren't the only person, but there could be many more who don't realise uh, that uh, they were entitled to stay on the original terms that they had uh, with 
permanent TSB and some other lenders, uh, I think, uh, but Pepper changed them and that they shouldn't have changed them. That's absolutely 100% right, Michael. And that was one of the last things I said on your show last, the last time that I was on it. And I just turned around and I said, asked, please, everybody, don't be afraid. If we, we did get into trouble with mortgages, yes, so what we did get in, we fought to, to, to try and get them right. And we did get them right. And there's so many people out there have made all these payments. And they probably don't even understand that the, these interest rates and that Pepper, or they think that Pepper have the right to keep this going, mm. but Pepper have not got the right to keep this going, so they haven't. Okay, they well, are. somebody has to put a halt to it. Fergus O'Dowd, it would seem as though this really requires uh, to be scrutinised. Somebody needs to get in there with a fine tooth comb. Absolutely, and I fully support you, Susie, <coughs> on what he's saying there, and clearly, obviously. You know, when the doll comes back, I'll be raising this on the floor of the house because it's, it's putting unfair and unreasonable pressure on people. And people, as Jimmy says, who, who, who are in compliance, who, who are in good standing in terms of the long term deal that they did and they haven't reneged or, or dropped any payments. Uh, so, I mean, so obviously mm. we'll see what the financial services yeah. ombudsman comes out with. And when that outcome is known, if we're not satisfied with it, you know, it's up to the government to act then, absolutely. I, I think the Taoiseach sounded very interested in it uh, when we heard him speak there. I think he was uh, responding to Pierce Doherty. But he, he said, uh, if you have individual cases, bring them to me. Uh, I wonder, would you bring Jimmy Crosby's case to yeah, this? He, he said he, he, he'd pass it on to the Minister for Finance and he's asked the Minister uh, to act uh, if... Uh, I, I've, I've raised Jimmy's case with the Minister for Finance. I've sent him on all the correspondence, uh, Pascal John, who, in relation to Jimmy's case. So Minister uh, Finance's office or his department is aware of it. Okay. And I've sent, obviously, Jimmy has replied, but I will follow it up with the Taoiseach. Uh, and Michael, uh, McGra- and Michael they- McGrath now, <laughs> because of... Uh, Oh, sorry, yeah, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped out again, he stepped in again. Yeah, but exactly clear, yeah. Same yeah. government, anyway. Uh, no, no problem. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, uh, this is far from over, but it, it does seem as uh, though there's the right level of interest in it. Uh, how are you feeling about things at, at the moment? I have to be honest to Michael, and, and this is, uh, I hope you're all right. This is for your listeners, and this is for you. It's because of people like you, you actually stuck with me from the very first time I emailed you, you you contacted me and you have kept working on this for me and Fergus when I contacted him as well but you are bringing only, we are very very lucky and LMFM are very very lucky, we're very lucky in the North East to have a broadcaster like you who will actually follow up and cares about the ordinary person that's out there that's trying to make a living, that's trying to do the best for the family, that's trying to work in compliance with everything, and that somebody will actually listen and bring this and help us to bring this and, and show us the right channels to go. How I feel, I feel that uh, Pepper, probably since in the two years that they have taken over my mortgage, Michael, maybe, and if you wanted, I could get them fully, I would say probably about 200 phone calls, hours, hours, hours fighting with them. Mm. Everything they've done wrong to me and they just completely keep shunning people and think that this is the way they can deal with people. It's it's totally, it's totally, totally wrong. And I'm glad I did not know that the Taoiseach had mentioned this and I'm absolutely delighted that, and I hope to God, and I, as I've said to you, Michael, at the beginning, I am willing to go put all my paperwork uh, forward, so I am. 
I'm willing to go completely public and whoever I have to do. And I hope that the people that's listening this morning go back and check if you were on if you were on uh, if you were on a standard variable rate or if you had a deal with your mortgage provider that you will go back and check it and lift that phone. And Michael, something I did, if, I hope I'm not holding you up. I, on, no, Monday, ahead, yeah. on Monday, I decided, hold on a second here. I took another thought about this. I said, permanent TSB are responsible here as well. So they are. So I lifted the phone on Monday morning and I made a complaint because permanent T has be, had a duty of care to me to make sure that when my mortgage was sold, that paper were going to stick to the same thing. And I have the right, it's in writing. Pepper, the minute they took over us, they said, when we took over the, your mortgage from a permanent TSB, we did not uh, like, really and really, we did not like what uh, Pepper were, or a permanent TSB were doing with you. Now we're just going to move you on to a standard variable rate without any consultation, without absolutely anything. And permanent TSB should have made sure of that that was not going to happen, and it did. And they're not the only lender out there that has done it. And this is not the only uh, um, uh, 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 vulture fund, if you like to put it, that uh, is doing this. So they are. So that's exactly what I want people to know. And thank you again, because you've been absolutely... You've just been absolutely brilliant, and the people of the northeast are very, very lucky to have you. No, that's what they well, that's what they employ me to do, Jimmy, and they pay me well. I'm very flattered no. by what you said, and thank you very much. Uh, no, but uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. to me, Michael, it doesn't come across how much you've been paid or what you mm. you, you you know what I mean. It doesn't matter much what you pay. We can all get paid big, big wages and still not do our jobs. You have absolutely taken this on, and you haven't let it go on me, and you've kept in contact with me, and you've been trying to put me in the contact of the right people. Yeah. And Fergus, I will definitely say that Fergus has been very good too. Well, I just, I urge your listeners, lift the phone. Don't take a chance. Just, it's not going to harm you anything to lift the phone and check with Papa. I want uh, the details of what my mortgage was when it was sold to you. Okay. And go back to your original provider and bring this to the people's. Because, as you know, Charlie Weston's words, where this could end up, this is 100,000 people could be involved with this. This could be worse than the tracker mortgage scandal. Okay. And a lot, a lot of people could be homeless by this time or in the court system with those houses maybe being repossessed by this time next year. Yeah, well, you've really helped all of us to understand it, Jimmy, uh, and it, it seems to be uh, an awful situation. Uh, hopefully one that will be cleared up if you like uh, come the new year but thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, and uh, expressing yourself as strongly as you did on the programme as well and thank you to uh, Fergus O'Dowd as well thanks Fergus uh, for joining us on the programme this morning Fergus O'Dowd Finnegale TD for Louth and Eastmeath and Jimmy Crosby there uh, who had his uh, uh, loan to value mortgage switched to a standard variable rate by Pepper Finance when it, it took over his loan from permanent TSB, which has seen his interest rate go from 4.3% to 7%. Uh, and uh, Jimmy feels that he should be at 4.3%. Uh, and if that wasn't going to be the case, he'd have fixed that maybe 2%. But there you go. Michael at LMFM.io. Brought to you by AirGrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. It is uh, the most wonderful time of uh, the year, but not for everyone. Let's uh, speak to Anne Larkin of Dundalk Women's Aid. And uh, a very good morning to you, Anne, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. How is Christmas 
for Dundalk Women's Aid. Good morning, Michael, and thanks very much for the opportunity <clears throat> to come on again. Um, Christmas for Women's Aid Dundalk, it's an extremely busy time. Um, and it's busy in lots of ways. Um, I'll start with the positive. Um, the local community, business, schools, individuals, hugely supportive of the organisation at this time of year. And the amount of support we get in the form of donations, be it financial or goods, you know, for the use of women and children when they need our service is just amazing. But I would say that the the, the really important part of that support is the awareness that's there of the issue and the need for of what the needs that women and children have at this time of year. So that's the positive. The yeah. other side is that unfortunately there is such need for that support uh, from the local community. Um it's it's a strange time of year we see sometimes there can be a lull over Christmas and that's where women are doing their utmost to try and keep things um try and manage things at home, not to have disruption for the kids, try and keep things calm and all of that. Um, we would traditionally find then between Christmas and New Year, um, even Christmas night, we would find there could be a lot of calls. Um, and that's 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 the kind of pattern, you know, mm-hmm. that can be a bit of a lull and then there'll be a surge. Um, but it will be busy. Even with a lull, it's still busy. Um, what about drink? Drink is... I, that's one of the myths around domestic violence, Michael. Okay. Drink mm. is... Drink doesn't cause domestic abuse and coercive control. It might exasperate it a bit. But, like, if drink was the cause, the person drinking, you know, they'd be fighting with everyone in the pub and they'd be fighting with everyone on the way home. The taxi driver would be getting grief. But the domestic violence situation is it's when the person comes home that's where the violence is expended it's very specific pattern of behavior and it's targeted at the woman in the home and the woman who fell in love with this man and who is hoping that she will see that man again and is trying to weather the storm that domestic violence is and the change in him that she has seen since she first met him so drink it may um exasperate things. The, 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 it may be a more vicious assault. Um, it may be a more difficult time. Um, and it may be that the woman will say, right, uh, she might need to take additional precautions when drink is taken. But drink does not cause domestic abuse. It's a choice in behaviour that's made. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, terrible at the same time. Um, yeah. But... Uh, what about uh, being cooped up in the house uh, together? A lot of people uh, go stir crazy over Christmas, can't oh. wait to get out on Stevens's Day and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and like we know ourselves with the stress of Christmas in mm. the best of times, mm. you know. And you were very right in the introduction. It's a lovely time of year, and you know, it's 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 out there as a time for families and all that. But it's not it's not all the same for everybody. So. The normal stress of Christmas and then there's financial pressures. And if there's financial abuse within the relationship, that financial pressure is magnified at Christmas for women as they try and put Christmas over for the family, for the kids, um, <clears throat> things like that. And yes, then being, you know, no routine over the Christmas period, kids on holidays. Yeah, more and more um, tension builds up in the home. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you'll uh, be there for people if uh, they need to speak to somebody. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I'd love to get out there yeah. this morning, Michael. That there's we, women's aid Dundalk is based in Dundalk. There's a service in Navan and there's a service in Drogheda. Around the country, there are 39 domestic violence services that will be open over Christmas. And we'd be saying to women out there, we know, we know what Christmas can be like. And we're there 24 hours a day. So whether it's the middle of the night, the early morning, or whenever, you can lift the phone, even if it's just to talk, even if you just need to talk to somebody and help maybe take away some of that tension for you or that pressure. And to speak to um, somebody who understands and maybe to speak to somebody who isn't a close family member uh, because, yes. you know, people can be yes. hesitant about doing that. But there is somebody... It can indeed. Can and families won't necessarily understand. And so many women won't have told anybody about what's going on at home mm. because they are carrying the shame that does, that belongs to the perpetrator because they've been made to feel that somehow this is their fault. But any, you can lift the phone 24 hours a day all over the period from now right into the new year and you'll be, there'll be a trained worker at the end of that line to be able to talk to you who will believe and support you. And it, so much of the time, Michael, we find that for women, once they can speak, mm. it, it helps them to clarify their own situation. Mm. Mm. Um, as I said before, Women's Aid Dundalk takes the approach that when women contact us, they're coming to us from a position of strength. Um, and we have been, we have found time and time again that women go to amazing lengths to protect themselves and their children. Mm. Um, and when they and contact they, you, they're in control. Uh, you're not going to force them to do something that they don't want to do. Not at all, no. When women contact us, we very much are led by the women because the women are best placed to understand their own situation and their safety and the potential for violence or whatever might be the case in the home. So we'd be led by the women. We're there to, we're information and support. We are no way directive. So the women can talk to us and explain their situation or they can just talk. It can just be that they need to talk to somebody. Well, it, can, it, it can do so much for people uh, and I, I know just with human nature that there will be women listening saying yeah, no I, but I, I, I know and I'd love to but I, but, but I, I couldn't um, and I, I'd just like to say uh, if, if I could Anne that if somebody does call they certainly won't regret it uh, it won't do any harm. It'll do. And, and Michael, just to let you know, yeah. we get many hang-up calls as well. Yeah. That women can lift the phone and dial the number. And then they may not be able to begin the conversation. Yeah. But that's okay. Mm. The very fact of lifting the phone is a good beginning. Yeah. Oh, it's and a big it might step. take yeah. a couple yeah. of attempts to yeah. actually talk mm. to the walker at the end of the phone. And it, that's okay. It's a big step. Yeah, I know. It's huge. Mm. Um, but we're there 24 say, hours right over Christmas 24-7 and I would say too like if women if you're out there and you're in danger in your own home the guards will respond the guards are very aware of the risk to women in their own home and they are doing an awful lot of work around um, domestic violence calls and that so you know do feel free do be encouraged to ring 999 should you need to if you're in danger in your home but let's give your number now if we can Okay. Um, our 24-hour helpline, Michael, it's 
Okay, 24 hours a day, as you say, 042-93-33-244. And you'll find Women's Aid Dundalk on social media and so on. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Anne, and happy Christmas to you. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, Michael, to you and your team. That's Anne. Thank you. You too. Anne Larkinov, Dundalk Women's Aid. Call Michael now, 041-983-2000. The Michael Reid Show, brought to you by Airgrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. The Michael Reed Show with Airgrid. Managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Somebody in touch with us to say uh, their mortgage was taken over by Pepper. They were paying €790. That's now €1,200 a month. Thank you. Please stay in touch. Ken and Drogheda, please stay in touch too. Uh, Ken saying uh, Pepper doing exactly the same to him. Uh, And I think we'll be touching on this, uh, if not giving it uh, extensive coverage in the new year. Avalon RD says, well done to Jimmy Crosby for coming on and outlining his case regarding his mortgage. And I hope he continues to fight tooth and nail until he gets a resolution. Not right what these financial institutions are doing, fleecing hard working individuals. Thank you, Avril. Now let's uh, talk about uh, the Climate Action Plan that's uh, to be published today. Sinn Féin's spokesperson on climate is uh, Darren O'Rourke, a TD for Mideast, and he's on the line. Good morning, Darren. Thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, It seems uh, from the reports that transport is going to be the big focus. Transport is is a, a particular focus of the the reports anyway, Michael. Um, but it's it's important to to recognise that these annual climate action plans will be part of the the political calendar um, now and into the future as a result of the the climate action bill that w- that was agreed. Um, this is the first climate action plan that is fully in line with that bill and, and takes into account the. The, the targets that were agreed within government during the, the summer months, the sectoral emission ceilings. Um, but ultimately, it sets out a, a major plan, um, hundreds of, of, of actions and thousands of, of sub-actions that government uh, um, commit to to deliver on emissions reductions. Um, and there's there will be a huge amount of detail in it, the same as there was last year, um, but one of the, the, the uh, you know one of the, the main areas of focus I think this year is in relation to transport and the types of measures that government are considering to, to try and move people out of cars and into public and active travel. Mm. Um, but there's a, a major focus on on the punitive, as has been a, a feature of of so much of of this government's approach to climate action. Is that what you're worried about, that uh, we won't be able to uh, afford the cost of fuel, uh, we won't have anywhere to park, or if there is somewhere, it'll be too expensive and we'll be driven out of our our cars, but there won't be the buses and trains uh, to take us to where we want to go? Well, well, that's it, exactly. And and I think, um, and, and, you know, I think we project ourselves forward to 2030 and think of where we need to be in terms of the climate and the emissions reductions and the type of steps to take us there it's clear that you know the government's approach hasn't been successful so far in fact it's been the exact opposite our emissions have increased significantly year on year since they've been in government not reduced as they were supposed to but if you take for example the proposals that they have to 
to increase the cost of, of fuel by 65% based on 2018 levels. We've actually been there, Michael. As a, as a result of the Ukrainian crisis, we, we've, we've seen that type of increase. But it's had no impact on the amount of, of fuel that people are using or the amount of, of travelling that they had to do because they had no alternatives. Um, so, so that's a proof positive for me that what needs to be front-loaded here isn't the, the punitive measures, it's the, the delivery of alternatives. And that goes across the board in terms of, of public transport, in terms of energy alternatives, in terms of retrofitting, in terms of of absolutely every measure, you know, in, in, in terms of agriculture, mm. the alternatives that are there, we hear the, the, the talk so so quickly turns to the herd number because there's emissions associated with that. But I think we need to reframe it and look at it in terms of, well, what's a sustainable uh, model? What's a sustainable model of travel? What's a sustainable model of housing? What's a sustainable model of, of, of industry? Instead of, as this government so readily does, uh, heaps paying on people in terms of carbon taxes and additional taxes and doesn't provide alternatives for ordinary citizens and then gives major data centres and major mm. industry a, a, a bye-ball. And you have to have buses that arrive on time. And if you're going to get the train, you need to be able to get a seat. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, you, you don't... And, and I've actually had contact from, from, from uh, constituents this morning in different parts of, of the Mid-East constituency saying... We want to do what the government are saying they're, they're, they're intending to do, but we can't because we don't have buses or they don't turn up on time or they're full. Um, there's a cliff edge in terms of prices. If I travel from Belbriggan versus if I travel from, from Gormanston or Leighton or Drogheda, um, we don't have a train service in in uh, in Navan or Dunshockland. Um, uh, they, 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 there are very many parts of, of particularly rural parts of, of uh, County Mead and Louth that have no public transport service at all. And I say rural parts, I mean significant uh, uh, conurbations or significant, significant uh, towns and villages that aren't well served by, by public transport. So in that scenario, people, people you know, and I think it's, a, it's important, Michael, you'll hear from people who say, I lived in a, a, in a major urban city. I lived in London. I lived in Frankfurt. I lived, uh, and I never, I never needed a car because mm. the alternative was there. So when the alternative yeah. is there, people will use it. Well, I, I lived in a city where there were more, where there were more bicycles than people, uh, and you could take your bicycle on the train in Copenhagen. Um, when uh, the plan is published today, it seems as though there won't be uh, what they were worried about in agriculture. Uh, is that a, a climb down? Do you think? Well, I, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a growing realization. I hope within government, uh, and and it's it's like a lot of these things, Michael. I think you can you can take it in, in transport, you can take it in in uh, agriculture or other sectors. If the alternative isn't there, and if government fails to provide a sustainable alternative, well, then my concern is that they will they will turn to punitive measures to drive people out of sectors, drive people out of cars, drive people out of, of certain types of, of agriculture. And that is not uh, the, the right approach to take. Um, we've seen it year on year. Um, uh, like it's Sinn Féin's criticism of the government's approach that every scheme that they have designed hasn't been just or fair. Like For, for example, last week I raised the issue with the Minister for for environment that he should be supporting people with increased financial supports for 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 solar panels solar panels i think on, on homes on on businesses maybe he's, a, maybe he's about to uh, it seems but, as but though he's not he's not that's the, that's the difficulty and, and not only that 
he said that, that he doesn't recognise cost as a barrier. And, and that's, you know, that's the fundamental problem I have with the government's approach in relation to it. I recognise, as, uh, which, which is the point he pointed to, was that uh, it's difficult to get the, the workforce and there's a challenge in terms of workforce and there is a demand but there isn't a demand there from from people who are poor and okay. uh, living living in cold homes. And we'll I get think the we detail. Need, we, we need to have a, a, a look at at that social justice and just transition element of okay. all of this. Well, thing. we'll get the detail very shortly. We have to leave it there for the moment. Thank you for joining us, uh, Sinn Féin spokesperson on climate, uh, Darren O'Rourke, TD for me. These that's it for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next program tomorrow morning at nine a.m. right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye bye. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Eddie Caffrey here, reminding you to join me every Saturday morning for the best in Irish country, Cayley and Ballads on the green scene from 10am till 1pm. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.